Welcome to the Grace College Podcast, a ministry of Grace Bible Church located in College Station, Texas. We desire to impact students who will impact the world for Christ. Hope you enjoy the talk and hang around for more after. So good. Guys, let's give the band a hand. Thank you so much for leading us so well this year. Gosh, Um, man, so fun. Hey, well, this is our last Sunday of the semester together, May 7th, people. May 7th, and we are ending today. If you have a Bible, jump to 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to look at the finish of of Paul's life, and we're also going to talk about how to finish strong in our life. Um, I asked our our, our designer um, of media stuff to do a picture for generic sermons that I could use no matter what. And, and so she created this really cool black slide. But then I realized when I was going to title the sermon The End on black, it would look a little ominous. And so just know it could be happy uh, end, but I want to talk about the end, your end. And for me, um, I, I, uh, I, I, ran, I was a runner um, all growing up, and I was always kind of good at running. And there's something in a race that you've got to realize. It's not how you start, it's how you finish that matters most. This weekend, I was uh, sitting with my, we, we went home and visited my wife's parents in, in Katy, and then visited my parents in Katy, and had homemade ice cream that my parents made, which was so good. There are so many great things about homemade ice cream. I'm just deep, deep place right here for homemade ice cream. And, uh, and so we're, we're enjoying it, hanging out, having a good time. And my dad pulls out, so this is what my dad did to my kids. Um, he pulls out videos of my races from high school, right? He's like, do you think your kids want to watch these? And I'm like, I don't want to watch these, you know? And, and he's like, let's do it. And they were like on VHS tapes. And so they're just kind of wobbly and grainy. And uh, my kids are like, what's wrong with these? And I'm like, back then, like, I don't know, there was a guy with just a hand crank getting his camera rolling. And, and so they show these videos of these races and they look back at like a, a race that I ran that I'd completely forgotten about in, in, in high school. And it was the district race. And the gun blows, it was the mile, and one guy just takes off sprinting in front of everyone, and he gaps the entire field by like 100 meters, and the rest of us are sitting in the pack going, dumb, <laughs> dumb. And as we're running our race, all of a sudden, we end up catching him, and he ends up finishing near the back of the race. And, and I look at that, and I, I look at that moment as, as a paradigm for what often can be said of the Christian life. There are Christians in life that, that have a great start, but a great start doesn't mean that you're going to have a great finish. Starting well doesn't mean that you're going to end well, and I want us to look at the end, not the end of your life, but the end that you actually want to be said of you in life. I want you to do more than have a great start. I want you to have a great finish, and that's what we have in this text in 2 Timothy chapter 4. So let me read it for you, and uh, we got Paul's words to Timothy, and we'll talk about it some more. 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting verse 1. He says this, Now I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions 
and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. But as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who loved his appearing. In this text, you see an urgency that Paul is trying to get across. There's an urgency that he wants to give us through this text. And the urgency is simply this. The end is near. The end is coming. And you may be like, Kevin, I'm like 19, 20 years old. The end is not near. Well, I, let me just tell you, the end is always near because you never know when your days are gonna be done. As I think back about my, high school, my time in high school, I know that folks that I had graduated with or should have graduated with, um, we had lost probably about three people in the time of I started high school, the time I ended high school, due to a car wreck or some sort of death that occurred. Three or four people from my graduating class alone, probably 16, 17 years old, where they had passed on. See, you don't know when your end will come. The only certainty is that it will come at some point. It's not progressing for me, but I can all do it. I, the only certainty is this, that your end is come. The end is near. And so what Paul does in this section is to bring urgency to, to Timothy's mind. He says this, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. And if you look at that language, it's, it's very formal. It's, it's a formal charge. In fact, in, in Greek uh, culture, in Roman culture, there was a formal way to charge someone to, to do something, to give them a commissioning. A few weeks ago, uh, I had the great honor of being part of the chaplain commissioning of one of our pastors here at Grace. His name is Jason Wheezy Poppy. And he stood uh, to become a chaplain in front of, in, in the military services. And there was a very formal proceeding in which he had to declare his allegiance to the United States, but also to discharge his duties as an officer. And I look at that, and I'm like, that's, that's so impressive. It's so amazing. And I remember watching Jason literally tear up as he's, he's making his commitment to this obligation. And this is, this is a similar way in which Paul is addressing Timothy. He's like, I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is the living and the dead, and by his appearing, he gives an urgency to this charge. And here's why. Because if we believe that the end is near, it brings urgency to every action. And you're already experiencing this right now. Finals are near. Any of you have finals left to take? One or two of you? Yeah, uh-huh. And that no, knowing that the end is near, that that class could be finished, brings urgency to every one of your actions. You're not being like, hey, guys, uh, this weekend, y'all just want to go over to Lake Bryan and kind of wakeboard around or whatever? You're like, no, idiot. We want to we wanna pass our class. This is the last test to determine whether or not I get to come back here or, or get to go to my future that I want, right? This, this knowing that the end is coming brings urgency to every one of your action. Every one of those other pursuits you chase this semester have faded into the background with the reality of knowing I've got an exam and this is a crucial exam. And Paul, in this text, he knows his end is coming. 
For all we know, this is probably the last writings of Paul that he will ever pin in his life. He wrote several of the New Testament books, and at this point, he's in prison. This is what's known uh, as his second imprisonment. He's imprisoned for preaching the gospel, and in this moment, literally at the end of his life, he says uh, a little while later that everyone had abandoned him. So he's alone in a prison cell, pinning this letter to young Timothy, his protege, the guy he picked up on all of his missionary journeys and brought him along. He was his young protege that he wanted to set up. In many ways, Paul is saying, I know my end is coming, Timothy, and I want you to watch my life play out before I go out. I want you to see my life with urgency. And so Paul calls him in front of first uh, an impressive audience. He says, I'm calling you in front of God and of Christ Jesus, the judge of the living and the dead. And that's a little bit terrifying, right? Because if you know that God is watching, it brings an urgency to everything that you do. And he says, and by the coming of his kingdom, Jesus is coming back. There will be a great return of the king that occurs. And I want you to take this moment extremely seriously, Timothy. You're not done if you're not dead, but your end is coming. I think this is sometimes very hard for us to think, think about because right now we're really young. I'm using we metaphorically. You are really young. You're like, you on stage, you're really old, but the rest of us in this room are really young. And you have the, what many people will tell you, even as you go to college graduations, you've got the whole, your whole life ahead of you. And I wish that was true, but it may not be. I wish you had another 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 years to do great things, but I don't know that you do. But what I do know is this, that God's given you a place now to fulfill your ministry. He's given you an opportunity now to do what he's asking you to. And he gives him one responsibility with several implications. He says, preach the word. I want you to proclaim the word of God in your time, in your generation. You're like, Kevin, I'm not a preacher. That's not my responsibility. That's you on stage. We, we don't preach. But I'll tell you this. Everyone has a, a mission opportunity given by God, a ministry opportunity. In fact, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says it this way. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as the result of works, so that no one will boast. What he starts off by saying is this, every one of us who puts our faith wholly and solely in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins is forgiven. The debt is wiped away, you are completely forgiven by God. You are brought into his kingdom and can live for him, but you're not done when you're saved. That's a great thing that happened. But there's more that you get to do. He, said, he goes on to say this, verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He says you're his workmanship. It's the Greek word poema, poem. Ladies always love this. You're God's poem. What does that mean? You rhyme, you're sweet. It means you're, you're intentionally crafted. It means each part of your life is intentionally crafted for his purposes. You're his workmanship. He is crafting you. He is forming you. He is, he is spending a lot of time to structure your life in such a way. And he says, you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, God prepared works for you to walk in. 
There's a future that he has for you. I don't know how long that future is gonna be, but I do know this, that in your time, God has your life mapped out. He has every point in your life planned. I know that they're gonna go to this school. I know they're gonna meet these people. I have a future for them. And every one of those moments is purposely planned so that they would do something for me. And I tell you what, your life mission is to know Jesus and to make him known. Your life mission, it may be in engineering, it may be in communications, it may be as a teacher, it may be in the military. I don't know where you will end up doing it. But your life mission and my life mission is to know Jesus and make him known wherever we land. And that is purposefully placed by God the Father. Every one of us. And so you may ask the question, Kevin, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. I'm going to graduate and I need to make this much money. I got rent to pay. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm freaking out about all the future and what that might bring. And I'll tell you this, calm down. The creator of the universe knows what you need. And he has planned your path. It may be a little bit rocky at times, but your path is planned. There is urgency because we know that we've got one mission in this world. Different ways that that's going to play out, but one mission So there's an urgency, but secondly, he wants to tell us this. There's no off-season in the Christian life. He goes on to say in verse 2, to expand it, he says, Preach the word, be ready, in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For a time is coming when people will not endure your sound teaching. He says this, there's no off-season in the Christian life. You'll never be done. I ran track in college, and it was so fun to do, um, except when I've got beat. And that was just one of the regular things that ended up happening. Sorry, sports fans. Um, And I remember one time in particular when I went to the NCAA championships, and we're watching the races play out. and, And there was one team that was absolutely phenomenal in distance running. And it was the University of Arkansas. Now's your time. Yes, that's what I'm talking about, right? But they were stinking good, okay? Then there was, there was the 10K race. Now, these two guys that were racing the 10K, that's 26 laps, 6.2 miles around a track. It's a long race. Most people kind of veg out at that point in time or walk in or go home, right? And, but it's the 10K race, and it was a big deal because it meant who was going to win the NCAA championships. It was one of those crucial races, and there was these two guys in the race. One of them was Daniel Lincoln. The other one was Alistair Craig. And they were both phenomenal, skinny, white runners, right? And so the gun blows, and, and one of the runners, a guy named Boaz Chaboyo, goes to the lead. He was a Kenyan guy, phenomenal athlete. And he's running the race. He's, he's in the lead and, and leading everyone through. And they're clicking off the first three miles um, at a comfortable, you know, 28-minute 10K pace. That's roughly, I don't know, like 440 miles, right? You know, just comfortable, relaxed, you know? And as they're clicking off this pace, they're sitting in the, in the back behind these guys, and, and, and Alistar and, and Daniel Lincoln are, are sitting there just comfortably running. And about 12 laps into the race, suddenly the game changed. Now, a little background on these two guys. These two guys were extremely impressive. They had already won the uh, cross-country national championship. They had already won the indoor national championship. And this was now the outdoor national championship. 
And what was so impressive about these two guys is the entire year, in every race they went into, they were always ready to run a four-minute mile. They were always ready. And it was so impressive to watch these guys, no matter what situation, no matter what move, they were always constantly fit. And in distance running, there's three major seasons, and there's really no off-season when it comes to distance running. And these guys were fit throughout their entire season. It was absolutely impressive. And suddenly, at 12, 12 laps into the race, Alistar says, let's do this. And he takes off and sprints to the front of the race and gaps the, the whole crowd by about 100 meters. And everyone in the crowd's going like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And then suddenly, he's, he's trying to see if Boaz is going to go with him, and he doesn't. He falls back. And his buddy, Daniel Lincoln, starts going and eventually catches up with him with about a mile to go. And so these two guys from the same school are running side by side. And I remember watching this from the stands, and they start talking to one another. They're like chatting it up. They're just like, hey, how's it going? Feeling good? Feeling good? Okay, it's a good training run. And they're just going together. I read an article later on. They're like, yeah, I didn't expect us to be at the lead like that. It was pretty cool. Pretty cool. (laughs) Everyone else floored at their fitness and their ability to perform at this level. And they go through the next mile side by side, smiling, running the race. And they get all the way to the finish. And Alistar knew that Daniel was a senior. And so he intentionally took a step back and let the senior win the race. Everyone cheered. The president of Arkansas is there to congratulate him. And they talked to him after the race. They're like, what happened? They're like, we've been fit all year. Our fitness carried us in. There was never an off season. We were always training for the next race. And that picture should solidify in your mind of what the Christian life is. There's never an off season. There's just the next season. There's never an off-season. There's simply the next season. And what I'm not saying is uh, exhaust yourself completely. I'm not saying that. But I am saying this. There is always opportunity and there's always opposition. There's always opportunity and there's always opposition. I don't know where you're going to go this summer. But I'll tell you what. There's an opportunity. There's an opportunity to build relationships with people that don't know Jesus. There's the opportunity to continue to study and learn personally how to grow and how to serve Jesus. There's there's always an opportunity to learn more. For me, summer was that opportunity. Each summer, I would spend away and I I would read a ton of books that I never had time to during the year. I would listen to a ton of sermons and podcasts. I would spend deep time in devotional life because it was that season of calm that I could really grow. One encouragement I have for you this summer is to spend it intentionally growing. Don't check out. It is an opportunity to either proclaim the gospel of Jesus or to sharpen yourself so that you'll be a better used person to spread his word this summer. It is an incredible opportunity. Each summer was explosive growth for me in that area. But secondly, there's always opposition. In this text, he says, people will, will not listen to sound teaching. And what he's basically saying is this, there's, there's a current in life that pulls you away from God. You ever been to Schlitterbahn? Anyone? Schlitterbahn? 
One of my favorite parts about Schlitterbahn, uh, it's warmer water, and I don't quite know why it's warmer water, um, but there's the Lazy River, in, and it's warmer water in the Lazy River. And the Lazy River, if you've never been on it, it, you can just sit on a float and just sit there, and it will just take you around the entire park, and you can see your friends just kind of wave and just be like, yeah, we're just going to chill here and, and not wait in a line. And, and it's just so enjoyable to sit in that Lazy River. But have you ever tried to swim against the current? Be a little salmon, you know? You ever try to do that? It's exhausting. It's so much easier to go with the flow than to turn and fight the current. It's so much easier. And the same is true in the Christian life. To go with the flow is smooth sailing. There is always the opposition to pull you away from the purposes of God. It is so easy to spend your entire summer and go, I watched 10 full seasons on Netflix of random shows that I don't like and I wouldn't recommend to anyone, but I spent untold hours watching these. And I'm I'm telling you, to go with the flow is so easy, but you're going to miss your opportunity. And I'm not saying don't watch Netflix. Watch Netflix. I'm just saying... Don't waste your whole summer gorging on things that actually won't be helpful. So I would say get some good biographies. Get some good podcasts. Get a Bible reading plan this summer and utilize your summer in a really great way. It's hard to think about right now. Give yourself a week of nothing, right? Give yourself some time, but don't waste this summer. Grow deeply. And lastly, I would give you this, to run through the finish. There's no off-season, but to finish strong. He tells Timothy this in verse 5. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. He says, embrace the struggle, number one. Verse 5, embrace the struggle. It's going to be hard to live the Christian life in this culture. It's always going to be hard. He says, endure suffering. And here's the truth. Everything worth doing will be difficult. When I got to the end of my time in college, uh, I was still trying to run um, when I, after I had graduated, but I had an injury in my leg that made it so difficult to continue to train. And, and so whenever I would start running, my knee would hurt, everything would hurt. They, I had x-rays. I had all different people kind of trying to diagnose the problem. And, uh, and doctors are phenomenal when it comes to broken bones, broken ligaments, because they can look at a big screen and say, that should be attached. You know, they, they can easily diagnose those problems. But when it comes to repetitive motion injuries that you get from distance running, doctors kind of go, I can give you a cortisone shot. I don't know. And, and they aren't always able to, to fix that problem when it's deep muscle tissue injury. To fix that problem, you need to go to a massage therapist or a physical therapist. And what they do is they take you, they lay you on what, what seems to be a nice comfortable bed at first. And as they lay you on that comfortable bed, um, they play some sweet music, you know, it's just like, ah, oh, da-da-da-da, it's weird mystical music, and it's all very sweet. You're looking face down so you can't see the world and what they're planning to do to you. And, uh, and I remember this guy, he looks at me, he goes, okay, I, I, I'm seeing the the problems in your leg, um, got some knots that I need to work out, and, uh, and it's going to hurt. How bad is it going to hurt? He's like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt. And I remember for the next two months, I went to this guy uh, two times a week, and he would take my leg to town. He would literally get his elbow 
because his hand wasn't quite strong enough to generate the force that he needed to do to make me cry. And, um, and he would take his elbow and he would drive it into my thigh and just start working it like this. I remember at one point, sweat is pouring off my body and I just start laughing. And he's like, are you okay? And he's like, I was like, it, it hurts so bad. I never thought it could hurt so bad. And he's like, he's like, you want me to stop? And I'm like, you, you, you already mutilated my entire leg. You might as well keep going and doing your deal. And I remember for three months, he would just sit there and grind on me, grind on me. And after that time, I could finally start running again because he had to push everything back into place for me to go. You know what's going to happen in your life? You know what God says about you in Hebrews? He says it's an illegitimate son that God doesn't discipline. But God's kids, the kids that God loves, receive the discipline of the Father. And that's why Paul says endure suffering. Struggle well. Everything worth doing is going to be difficult. And God in his sovereign guidance will make you hurt. (laughs) But it's for your good. And so summer might be a lonely time for you. Summer might be a struggle for you, but I'll tell you what, that is purposeful for you to bring you in as a son and daughter, to carve into you character so that you can be utilized for him. Finish strong, lean in to what he's doing to you. Embrace the struggle. Secondly, he says, look to faithful finishers. Verse six and seven, it says this, for I am already poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. He says, Timothy, I want you to look at my life. I want you to look at my life who has run before you and is dedicating my life all the way through to the end. Look at people who have run the race well all the way through to the end. Do you do that? We have a cool opportunity right now to celebrate some folks that, have, that are doing that, that are continuing to run the race well all the way to the end. Two of them are, are part of this group. Can we give them a hand as they come up? So we have two amazing uh, former college students. I don't know, you haven't graduated quite yet. So inches away, inches away. This is Marcy Boyette and Laura Ferris. And... Um, and so here's what's cool about these two amazing ladies. I'm going to let them share a little bit about themselves. Um, but they have been here at a and They've graduated with degrees. <laughs> inches away. And they are going to serve the nations, bringing the gospel overseas. So I invited these two ladies up to share a little bit about what's going to be next for them. So go for them. Well, howdy, guys. Okay, it's on. Howdy. <laughs> I'm Marcy, and I'll be moving to Sweden this coming August. I'm really excited. And a little bit about Sweden. So there's about 2% evangelized Christians there right now. And um, what that looks like just day to day is that students can go their whole four years without hearing the gospel. And I saw that, and I found out that statistic. I was like, dang. What would it look like to go? And now I get to go. And so I'm really excited to get to share truth with the people in Sweden. And um, 
I want to share this verse with you all. It says something that actually Jesus said. He said, um, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. And so I'm so excited to get to share that truth with the people in Sweden. And whether that's you guys going on missions or um, just at camp this summer or even just at your home, that's something that we get to carry with us to share with the people around us at home, too. Well, my name's and next year I'll be going to South Asia. And um, similar to Marcy, the city where I'm going, the last time I heard, which was probably a couple summers ago, there are about 1% believers in the city. And what's cool was getting to go there in the past on summer mission with um, really got to see what the ministry was like and really got to see that um, a lot of the students are hungry for truth. And a lot of students over there are very spiritual and so willing to talk about those things, but don't understand the truth of the gospel. And so even though this culture is so vibrant and beautiful, um, it's really dark spiritually. And so it was neat to be able to go and be challenged and challenged again to go back. And so this next year, I'll get to share the gospel with students on those campuses in South Asia and get to disciple women and lead Bible studies. And so I'm really excited for what that looks like. Um, But something I wanted to encourage you with um, was a verse that I was encouraged with the first summer that I went. It's in Romans 15, and this is Paul talking. It says, It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Um, Rather, as it is written, those who are not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. So, kind of like Marcy was saying, we're going overseas. It's no greater than you guys staying here and sharing the gospel with the people that you know, and you are put here for a reason, and in the major you are in for a reason, so be a good steward of that. That's awesome. Thank you so much. I I think all of us need people to look ahead at and say, okay, you're graduating, you're going on. Uh, It's it's not too difficult for me to see myself maybe doing that type of thing. And so that might be for you. And so cool part is uh, Marcia and Laura are going to be at the back of the room if you want to talk to them more about what they're going to be doing um, next. Uh, that'll be after after our service. But there's also another group in this room that has poured out their lives into you this year that I I would be remiss if we missed. And it is your table hosts. And so what we did is actually made a little thank you video. We didn't thank every single table host by name in the video. And we, uh, we didn't let every one of you uh, into the video because that would have been too epically long, but we did have our media team put together this short video, so let's watch it together. Thank you, Table Hosts, uh, for making all of us feel welcome and making it feel um, like a family. Um, even within five minutes of meeting some of y'all, um, you're inviting us to your houses and um, asking what you can do to help us. Hey, Adam and Ashley, I just want to say thank you for um, always getting to be there for me and uh, just everything you've done throughout my time here at Grace Southwood. Thank you, Christine and Matt, for everything that you do for us, how you challenge us every week, and how you love on us. Thank you, Steve and Sarah Moffitt, for pouring into us. Thank you, Adam and Ashley, Cody and Cynthia Mays. Thank you so much for being such amazing table hosts and just for being so welcoming to us. I'm so glad that I have been a part of your table for a year now. Thank you, Jeff and Leslie. Thank you, Mike and Bobby Padgett. Thank you, Jeff and Leslie, uh, for meeting with us each Sunday at your table group and opening up your house to us. Thank you, Eric and Caitlin. Thank you, Hayden and Kelsey. It was great to have this semester with you and learn more about Jesus. Thank you, Ashley and Andy. 
Thank you, Hayden, Kelsey. It's been great getting to know you this semester and just becoming your friends. Thank you so much for being our table leaders this semester. We really enjoyed getting to know you and your heart for God for us. Thank you so much for everything that you do for us, and we really appreciate it. Thank you, McGuire's. You're the best. Thanks, Mike and Bobby. Hey, Matt and Christine, I just want to thank y'all for loving us so well every week and pouring into us and making church such a home away from home and just making it fun. And y'all are awesome. Hey, Kyle and Laura, I just want to say thank you for being our table host this year. Um, it's been so great having you welcome us into your family and into your home and sharing your experiences with us. Stan and Lindsay, thank y'all so much for all of the sacrifices y'all have made for our table group and y'all are amazing leaders and you do a great job of balancing a married life as well as being parents and y'all are fantastic examples of what a godly family should look like so thank y'all. Thank you very much for how you serve our church. Now let's give me a hand. A small token of, of how grateful we are for you guys, and, uh, and I just want to share a little bit from me about how thankful I am uh, for you, table hosts. So this is a moment just for them. Um, you know, th as, as Paul is writing this letter to Timothy, he's, uh, he's asking him to come and, and tell him to visit. And what we don't get is, the, is Timothy's response. We, we, we don't get to see what Timothy would say to Paul as he's living his last days. And, but I know that he was thankful he was thankful for his investment in him. I know that he was humbled that uh, he would be the recipient of a letter from this man at the, the tail end of his life. And I know that he was uh, impacted deeply by them. And, and I'll just say for me, I have been humbled, I've been thankful, and I've been impacted by every one of you table hosts. It's my rookie year, right? So I came in as a freshman into the college ministry world, just a young noob trying to figure stuff out. And, um, and the Jenkins invited me early on over to their house to hang out, to get to know some other college students, and just to see that the way that they loved one another, the way that they loved their uh, students that were part of it was absolutely amazing. And I walk into this room and the Reeds were like one of the first groups to, to ingratiate me and, and to welcome me in and, and, and be supportive of me. Um, the Moffats have been an amazing uh, help along the way. Um, Blake and Sarah Atwell, like you guys are just fun. <laughs> and, and I didn't know how fun and great you were until you came over to our house and just hung out for a week and then still, or for a weekend and for a week. Y'all just wouldn't leave. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, for the weekend, and it was it was amazing. It was amazing, and and uh, I mean, Eric, Kill and Newman, like you guys have been so welcoming and loving to to me, and my wife, and uh, gosh, the the McGuire's just your 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 faithfulness and your the way that you love people, and the Martins, these guys, you guys have been cheerleaders for me the whole time, and the Pagets. I mean, I just want to go on a camping trip with you guys. You're taking everyone on camping trips, but you guys have been supportive all throughout this. The LeBlancs, I've been so thankful. Um, to get to know you guys and the Strasnickys. I mean, I, guys, you just guys have been supportive all along. And Kelsey and Hayden Smith back there and the Kurtzes. And I just, and I'm not, uh, I cannot see faces right now. Uh, the Mazes back there. I, I'm just trying to hit everyone. I'm so thankful for every single one of you. And I've been personally impacted by your input. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you how. It is not easy to chase after the Lord when you're chasing after little kids. 
And it is not easy to pour your life out when you feel like you're pouring yourself out constantly. It is so difficult. John Tingle, Megan Henderson, I'm, you guys have been an amazing support to me. John Tingle I've known since, I don't know, the, once of my first days here. And seeing his faithful service has actually been inspiring all the way through. I'm, and I'm very sorry if I, if I missed your name. But, I, but I'll say this. It is difficult when you're chasing other kids and chasing other things to continue to pour your life out. And I've watched you do that. I've watched you pour yourself out selflessly week after week here. And I've been deeply impacted by you. And I know every one of these students could verify those same things. So thank you for running your race well and giving us a great example of folks just ahead of us to look at and chase after and follow. Can you give them one more round of applause? <laughs> Paul signs off this section with, the sec- with part of it I want to sign off this with. The last thing he says, I want you to know the reward for your faithful life. Verse 8, henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only me, but also to all who loved his appearing. The reward that Paul is talking about is the reward that God gives in the last days. And the challenging part in most races in life is that only one person gets the gold medal, right? And so it's kind of disappointing when you run really, really hard and, and lose, you know, to someone else and someone else gets the medal. I was talking to my six-year-old daughter, seven-year-old daughter now, uh, the other day, and she's like, Daddy, you won all of your races. I said, no, baby, I lost many more races than I won. And that can be difficult. But here's what God says at the end of his life. Everyone gets a gold medal. Everyone gets the crown of righteousness if they run through the finish following him. There is reward at the end. Jesus says at the end, in many of his parables, enter into the joy of the master. You are faithful with a few things. Come in, enter into his joy. You will be rewarded. You'll get the well done, good and faithful servant as you run through your finish. And I pray that you do. Thank you so much for a phenomenal semester. I'm humbled by all of you students. You inspire me too. Thank you so much for a great year. Um, I'm turning it over to your time to, to talk with your table host. Thank them profusely. Give them lots of hugs and, and your amazingness. And uh, thank you so much for a great semester. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. I thank you so much that uh, we get great models of faithfulness around us, whether they're students that are just ahead of us or table hosts sitting right beside us. I thank you so much that there's men and women in this room that have run the race well, and I pray that we'll be inspired and encouraged by their lives. Thank you so much for a great end to this year. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Have a great discussion.